Welcome to Change My Mind, the podcast that tackles real life issues that you can relate to. Each episode focuses on one specific topic with an expert to give you all the answers you'll need as you step out into this world. I'm Georgie Clark, and this is Change My Mind. Vex King is an expert in teaching how to be your own healer, learning to love yourself and raising your vibrations. He is a self-love writer and number one Sunday Times bestselling author. His first book, Good Vibes, Good Life, was an astounding success, which led straight into his second book, Healing is the New High, followed by his latest release, Closer to Love. He's here to discuss his journey to building his successful career. So thank you so much for coming on today, Vex. Thank you for having me. Just to sort of start this, I wanted you to explain, firstly, anyone who isn't familiar with what positive vibrations means, because we're probably going to be referring to it a lot throughout this interview. Mm -hmm. So yeah, in your words, how would you describe what, you know, positive vibrations are? Yeah, so positive vibrations is basically positive emotions. It's feeling good ultimately so emotional states which you would resonate with inspiration love gratitude positivity and kind of the underlying teachings i think throughout my work is that the feelings that you put out into the universe are the feelings that are returned so mm-hmm. the feelings that you invite back into your life so if you're being thankful about things in your life mm-hmm. you're more likely to receive things to be thankful about A lot of the time people think it's placebo. Some people try and relate it to metaphysics, neuroscience. But I think it's just a general nice philosophy to live by. And it's one that certainly changed my life because I didn't get off to the easiest start. And it's this philosophy which has really helped me elevate things across my whole life. Okay, yeah. So straight into the next question, you mentioned the start of your life. In your books, you're very open about the start of your life and your childhood. You were faced with living in housing shelters, racism, and you mentioned an abusive family member in one of your books. Mm -hmm. Were these experiences in your life the start of the drive for you to live this positive vibration and healing in your life now? Yeah, I think I remember there was a time Well, I looked at my life and I just looked around me and I thought, I can't continue life in this way. And I must have been really young at the time. My mum could barely afford to pay the bills. And this was after when life started getting good, because when I was born, six months after I was born, my my dad passed away. My family and I were homeless for roughly three years. So we moved around to different housing shelters or with family. So... Although we did have some sense of security because people invited us into their homes, as soon as we stepped up out of those homes, it was back to kind of fearing for our lives a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And eventually things got a little bit better and we got our first council home. But then when we got that home, everyone around us, it almost seemed like everyone around us was, they weren't that welcoming. They wanted us to, to leave because we didn't look like everyone else. There was this one time, for example, I was sleeping and we had like an old washing machine on our front lawn that we were trying to get rid of. And my neighbours, so next door to us, there was roughly, well, it felt like 10 teenagers. Mm -hmm. And every weekend they would get absolutely hammered, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember one like Saturday night we were sleeping and they came bashing on our door 
you know, shouting racist remarks through our letterbox, banging the door down. And I was really scared. But then what they did is they got fireworks and they put it in the washing machine and it kind of just exploded. So in my head, I'm thinking like, what's going on? Are we getting bombed? Like, you know, it almost felt like there was war happening outside. And I'd question myself and I think, what did I do to deserve this? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, (laughs) I, I wasn't a bad kid as such. I thought, what what have we done to deserve this? Like, we've not troubled our neighbours, no one around us. Mm-hmm. But every single time we step out, people are telling us to go back to our own country or trying to start fights with me. And my mum was struggling anyway. So, so poverty was a, I think, prominent theme throughout my childhood. And yeah, I just remember this one moment where I looked around and I thought, I need to get out of this. I need to do something to change my life. But mm-hmm. then when I would speak to people around me and talk about, say, my dreams, for example, like I have dreams to do this and that. A lot of people told me that I had to accept the reality that I was facing. This included some family members because, you know, some of them follow a religious path and they were like, you know, God has given you this path and this is always going to be your life. It's going to make you stronger. So there were some positives, but it was like, this is the life for you and you just kind of have to accept it. And I didn't quite like that answer. Mm -hmm. So that's when I kind of turned to personal development. I think it was when I was around 15 years old. What was like the pinnacle moment for you that at 15 that sort of led you into this mentality of thinking I can change this for myself was there anything in particular so I was I was fed up with my life anyway but I was really into like music so R&B hip-hop that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and I used to go on this one forum so it's like a website where you can talk about new releases and so forth or illegally download music but um, there was this one section called I think like life and philosophy and they used to talk about like science and so forth And I was interested in that. And that's where people will talk about like deep life topics. And I remember going into the section and people were talking about this one book that had helped them and had also helped Bruce Lee change his life. So Bruce Lee's an old martial artist and actor. Mm -hmm. And I was really into like martial arts. And I was just like, wow, this book's changed his life. Maybe I should read that book. Mm -hmm. But then I remembered that I'd never really read a whole book any book in my whole life because I was just never into reading. Like in school, when we had to submit book reviews, I would make up the whole (laughs) review. I would just read the first page (laughs) and the last page and then just make up. And I'd, you know, the teacher never really clocked onto what I was doing. Because it was your interpretation of the first. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's subjective. So she was like, oh, right, that's what he took from (laughs) from the book. But I was, you know, I was keen to read this book to see if it could help me. And as I started reading the book... I realized that essentially everything comes down to mindset. Mm -hmm. And I had to change the way I looked at things. I Mm -hmm. had to change my response to whatever life was. I couldn't change the circumstances I was in, but I could change my response to those circumstances. And so that's what I started practicing. And then I got really intrigued by successful people. And I was really into sports. So I'd look at athletes and their mindsets. Then I'd look at like scientists and their mindsets, actors, actresses, entrepreneurs. And I realized that every single person had one particular trait, which was they thought positive. Mm. 
So then I went down this path of positive thinking to change my life. But it was around, I think, 21, maybe. I was in a very low place because positive thinking actually cost my sense of sanity. I suppressed a lot. Of emotion. Yeah, for the sake of thinking positive. Mm. So my work now, although the foundational teaching of my, my work is to think positive, to create a positive life, it's not to force positivity it's Mm. not to deny your emotions and that's why I've got the three books because there's a huge chunk on healing yeah which acknowledges all of your emotions exactly instead of just sort of being in a kind of toxic positive state constantly of ignoring them yeah exactly and that's I think that's so important because if we keep suppressing things eventually it's almost like I don't know, building it in your cup and then eventually someone's going to knock your cup and it's, it's going to spill out. Yeah. And I think that's what happened to me. I reached a point in my life where I was highly triggered by the circumstances I was in and things became really, really bad to the point where I, I, I didn't almost want to exist. And after that, and being fortunate enough to survive that and move past that, I said to myself, I can never return to this place again. Mm-hmm. And I needed to find a more authentic way of nurturing positivity because positivity will change your life, but it has to be authentic positivity, organic positivity. And that's what inspires my books is to to show people that there's a way out of suffering. There's a way to create a better life for themselves, but not to almost force my teachings upon anyone, because I think there's many modalities and you have to find what works for you. But I do think that human beings are wired in similar ways and there's very common themes and things that come up. And those things I try to include in all of my work, which I think can apply to to everyone. Yeah, I can really relate, especially when you mentioned at like 21 years old, you were struggling with, you know, your mental health and things like that. I, in my mid 20s, had a really bad couple of years and it felt like everything was going against me. Like Mm. my health was going against me. I had no contact with my family. I had this narrative in my head that like I was a bad person. I was stupid. I would never amount to anything from sort of what I had been taught my whole life by people who were supposed to love me. And it felt like everything was going wrong, like absolutely everything. I had no money. I was sleeping on my ex-boyfriend's dad's sofa, trying to get a job. I had like two outfits worth of clothes. Mm -hmm. I'd wash them each every day and I'd clean his kitchen for a bit of money. And I just remember thinking like, this this can't be my story. Mm -hmm. Like this, this can't be it. And like, at some point, this bad luck has got to end. Mm -hmm. And... When I started focusing on like the small wins, the things that I normally would have been like, yeah, you know, I got this, but today has been bad in this way, this way, this way, this way, this way. When I started to focus on like the very small wins, I started picking up that they were coming in more and more and more. And I was like, oh my God, like my response to like the good things is actually bringing me in more good things. Or maybe it's just that I'm recognizing the good things more and the bad things seem less significant because I'm letting the good things kind of take over. Yeah. And that was really the start of my journey into doing everything that I'm doing now. And 
yeah. Do you know what it is? It's not, it's about not taking on what other people's story is for you and yeah. what they think you are and being able to learn who you are as a person. And I think that's one of the nicest things in your books is I feel like it gives you a chance to self-reflect and think this doesn't have to be who I am. Yeah. What I can do is like start to think in this way or start to behave in this way or start to act in this way to have a new story for myself and a new narrative of who my character is. Mm -hmm. I think that's really powerful because I think as well for me, I think everyone does this to some extent, is that we take other people's responses to who we are as an image of ourselves and then we let that almost guide our lives right and define who yeah. we are yeah and you almost have to do this this soul searching and i think that's what i did when i tried to follow this organic journey of self-love is to discover who i am beyond what the world told me i am or need to be to mm -hmm. fit in and for anyone listening i think when it comes to healing one of the most important things that you have to practice is, is self-compassion mm. because you are worthy of your love and understanding more than anyone else. And I think sometimes, especially when we want to heal, we can be impatient or certain things are revealed to us and it can make us more critical of ourselves. Because when I started the healing journey, it was almost like, oh my God, I can't believe I was like that. Like, you know, what an idiot. And, you know, I would say certain things, but that that was still who I was at that particular time. And that's okay. And it's it's. I think the growth is you recognising that you were that person. It's having that self-awareness and realising that that's who you were, but that's not who you want to be. Mm -hmm. I can really relate to that. Like if I think back to me in my teens and my early 20s, like nobody would believe this now if they if they met me now, but I was really angry. Like I was so angry about everything. Like I could because it was I my therapist said to me like anger is unprocessed sadness. Mm -hmm. And I never got to the point where I could feel sad. All I could feel was like the thing would happen and anger. And that was my reaction and response to everything. And it took me such a long time to unlearn that behavior and reflect and also look back now and forgive myself for it because mm -hmm. when I when I think about like that version of me, I look at her as kind of like my inner child, you know, she yeah. didn't know better. And yeah, like you said, giving yourself grace for the situations that you have been in, not because of your own choosing, they've kind of been put on you. And it's been a hard, hard situation to be in. And you you did the best that you could. And actually, anyone else that I would talk to about my story would, you know, come to me with empathy, and come to me with like, you know, there was a lot of neglect. There was a lot of this. There was a lot of that. And I'd always be like, you know, don't pity me. Don't feel sorry for mm -hmm. me. You know, I was angry about it all and da, da 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 And it's actually really powerful to be able to say, actually, do you know what? That was really hard what I went through. And I didn't deserve it. And I really survived through it. And at the time, if being angry helped me get out of it, that's okay. Because mm -hmm. I'm no longer representing that version of myself now. Exactly. That's so powerful. And it's funny what you just said, because obviously vex means angry. And that, oh, yeah. I was. <laughs> so people, people say the same thing to me now. In fact, my mum always says like, I don't know what's happened to you. She almost says it in a bad way. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, you were, you were such a like a angry child. And now you're just like this, this different person. 
And people sometimes ask me to change my name from Vex to like Happy King or something. <laughs> but I'm persistent on keeping it because I think it indicates the growth mm -hmm. and shows people that growth is possible. I'm by no means perfect, but, you know, I'm, I'm better able to, to manage my response to those emotions. Mm -hmm. And like you said as well, anger is always the secondary emotion. Yeah. For, for most people, anger is your defense against pain. So there's always something else that comes before the anger, but mm. we only acknowledge the anger. And once you start searching and figuring out what it is and why you're actually angry or what's the root to it, you'll realize that maybe there's a particular pattern or some kind of wounding that's happened in your past yeah. that is resurfacing that pain over and over again. And that's certainly what happened to me. And then I look back on my life and I think, well... I was I was homeless for like three years, you know. I've seen family members held to a gunpoint. Like I've seen, I've seen things that normal children shouldn't be seeing. Yeah. So, you know, no wonder I was the yeah. way I was. I'm not condoning maybe the things I did in the past, the way I acted, but I was the result of my environment yeah. as much as the result of you know, the, the people I was around and so forth, authority figures, caregivers, teachers and so forth. But I was exposed to so much heartache and so much pain. And especially when you're not financially secure, it makes it even more, more difficult. And this is the other thing. I think therapy is so beautiful and so helpful for so many people. But at the same time, we have to recognise the privilege in therapy yeah, as well. Yeah, it's expensive. It's expensive. And being able to go there and just even just having, mustering up the courage to be able to visit a therapist mm. and be so vulnerable with them, that's difficult. Yeah. Like not, not everyone can do that. So it's so important to find a way that works with you. And I'm not saying that books and my books in particular might heal all your issues or solve all your problems. But for some people books can really support their journey and books yeah. supported my journey. And I suppose when I write books, it's me giving back to people what books gave to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just going back to what you said about kind of the trauma in your childhood and, and dealing with emotions. There's a saying, I don't know if you've heard it, and it's if it's hysterical, it's historical. Mm. So if you act hysterical over something, it's, it's to do with your history and yeah. what you went through in your environment in your childhood and that for me whenever I have felt a little bit out of character like I can't I'm struggling to handle my emotions there's something you said about like understanding what's going on for you and your cycle and your processes mm. to be able to adjust that behavior and be like this actually isn't about this it's about what happened to me years ago and it's okay and just like sitting in that is such a powerful thing to be able to do and that in itself is healing it is every time you do that you're healing because what you're doing in that moment is you're acknowledging the emotions. As soon as we resist the emotions, we suffer. And yeah. that's, I think, the key that I learned is that the suffering isn't coming from the emotions themselves. It's coming from the resistance of like pushing the emotions away. Yeah. There's a Harvard psychologist, I think her name's Dr. Jill Bolt. And she said that if you sit with emotions for 90 seconds they will eventually dissipate. So if you literally say you're feeling angry, for example, and you say to yourself, I'm feeling angry, and you put a timer there, and for 90 seconds, you just acknowledge that you're feeling angry, eventually, the anger will dissipate. 
and I, it works every single time. That's and incredible. I, <laughs> so every single time. So one and a half minutes. When we don't acknowledge the emotions, what happens is that certain thoughts will reignite the emotions further down the lines and we'll never actually process those particular emotions. I really feel like people see the world now and think that like healing is done like that. Mm -hmm. Success is created like that. And it's not the case at all. Like sometimes it's a bunch of really, really small actions and being consistent every single day. And I remember the first year that I did it, at the end of it, I was like, I'm 365 days closer to my dream mm -hmm. than I was before because I've done one thing every day. Yeah. Even on days that I was struggling, just that one thing brought me closer to achieving what I wanted. With your career and your success, is there anything that you did, any practices you did that you felt sort of helped you get out of that mindset and achieve what you have today? Yeah, so I'm going to just rewind back a little bit to what you said, because I think it's really, really powerful. The idea of making those small incremental changes. Mm -hmm. If you look at back back on them day to day, you feel like nothing's changed. Yeah. And then when you look back on them at the end of the year, you're like, wow, things have changed. It's the idea of compounding 1% better every day. I think compounds to around 36 or 37% over a year. Mm -hmm. And we can explain that in a really beautiful analogy as well, is that say if a ship takes off from a particular location and if it goes completely straight we can measure where it's going to end up but if it changes even just one you know one degree towards the left or right and then continues to go straight it ends up in a completely different direction mm -hmm. so those small changes actually lead to big outcomes yeah. over time and I think with healing or with the success whatever it is even with like manifestation for example we want things to happen yesterday, mm. right? I think it's becoming harder now because if you think about our culture, the way we're living in this kind of quick fix society, if you want clothes, you can just get ASOS Premium and get them delivered next day. We have such short attention yeah. spans. Amazon Prime, next day delivery. If food, you've got meal prep now, right? You yeah. can have things very quickly so you don't require that much effort to get what and you patience. want and patience and it just it shows with just instagram and tiktok mm -hmm. i remember the other day i was on tiktok and tiktoks are like really short anyway and by 15 seconds the, the tiktok hadn't gotten to the point and i was like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> Hurry up. i was like wait what's happening to me it's only 15 seconds in yeah but that lack of patience now right yeah but the thing is the things that are worth it, the things that are going to be great for us will take time. Yeah. And to create these big outcomes, we don't need to make big changes overnight. We just need to start small. Mm. So when I was... And be consistent. And be consistent. And that is actually the key. It's to make those small changes over a period of time consistently mm. and that's when things change but at the same time for example in our in our journal we've we've actually written a note saying that if you miss a day of journaling 
it's okay. And you can kind of get back on the path the next day or if you've missed two or three days. Obviously, consistency helps you achieve mm-hmm. results and it's the key to achieving results. But at the same time, don't punish yourself if you do miss a day or two. Yeah. Because that's not going to help you continue. Yeah. When I was at that really low point in my life, I realised that I needed to set up my life in a way that helped me really nurture my needs. Mm -hmm. And what I did is I tried to set up a routine, a routine where the byproduct of what I did will always be happiness or joy or Mm -hmm. some kind of feel good factor. Right. So I would I would stick in meditation, repeating affirmations, going to the gym, eating healthy and so on. At first, I failed because I tried to do everything yeah. all at once. And I it can was relate like, to that. I've got this amazing routine. Let's go for it. Every single thing was new in that routine. Right? I've just gone from this guy who couldn't get out of bed because mm-hmm. he was so... And I'm, I'm, I call myself depressed, but I didn't, you know, get it checked out or anything. So I can't say I was clinically depressed, but I was at a point where I couldn't get out of bed. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to stay stuck stay in my bed and not do anything. Like I would just sit in my room with the lights off Mm -hmm. like the whole day. Mm -hmm. I was in that kind of state. And I'd gone from that to having this kind of ounce of hope that there's better out there for me, Mm -hmm. then to creating this routine. Which is extreme. Which is extreme. And it was like, I can't do this. So I started with one thing. Yeah. And the one thing was, was probably the toughest thing of all, was, was meditation. Yeah. Because I had heard every single celebrity, every single spiritual teacher say meditation mm-hmm. is amazing. Like, try it. It will change your life. So I was like, OK, I'm going to do I'm going to finally do it. But even at meditation, I failed in the sense that I just didn't know what I was doing, if I was doing it right. Like, I'd close my eyes and think, like, am I meditating? Oh, that felt <gasps> good. That must be meditation. I was just like, wait, what? Like, oh, my God, like, does this even work? And... I said to myself, look, let's just try and master this one thing, meditation. Mm -hmm. Let's just try and be with myself, you know, kind of detached almost from my mind and see if I can master that. And if I can master that, then I can master other areas of my life. Mm -hmm. And then I can go back to this routine and say, actually, I'm ready to implement this thing or that thing. Once you see some success in one thing, it breeds confidence, which Mm -hmm. then leads you to the next thing and the next thing, Mm -hmm. because then you can use the confidence to breed more success. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. It took me around, I think, 30 days, not to master meditation, but to be able to sit with myself Mm -hmm. almost in silence, I would say, for at least like two or three minutes. And that took me 30 days, right? Mm -hmm. Now I've been doing it for 10 to 15 years, I think. But after I knew I could do that, I thought, right, let me go on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. Let me, at the end of the night, write three things I'm grateful for in this notebook. Mm -hmm. And then I did that. And then slowly I started doing other things. And the funny thing is, is as I started writing in this notebook, it almost turned into a journal Mm -hmm. because it wasn't just gratitude. I'd you know, write about everything. And then I started realising that there were certain areas of my life that I still wasn't happy with. Mm-hmm. So then it almost became like this opportunity to reflect on what I could do in that particular area of my life and what I could change. For example, I'm out of shape at the moment. I want to feel better in my body. 
So then maybe I need to change my diet, mm -hmm. change things around. Maybe I need to increase my protein or maybe not have all those chocolates that I've got <laughs> lying around. Like it was just those little things. Yeah. And over time, I was able to set my life up in a way, as I mentioned earlier, where what I did would always lead to some feeling of happiness. Yeah. As you were saying that, I just realized that that was also a part of my journey as well. I was the biggest people pleaser and I put everybody's needs above my own and I genuinely had no energy left for me. Mm -hmm. And when I when I realized that I if, you know, if I was showing up for all of these other people constantly when I was in this bad place, I couldn't show up for myself mm -hmm. because I didn't have the energy to do it. And that's exactly I think the awareness that I got to is that a lot of the things I was doing that I thought were selfless were actually things that I felt like I had to do to be maybe accepted by them or society. Yeah. People pleasing for a lot of people, people think people pleasing is this kind of selfless act where you're putting other people first, but actually you're not. What you're doing is you're trying to manage their response to you mm. so you don't feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Right? It's you trying to gain their approval their yes. acceptance. So actually, people pleasing is selfish. Yeah. But it's just almost a discreet way of being selfish. Yeah. And when you start making those realizations, you start to realize that maybe you've actually been selfish by thinking you're putting other people first. Mm -hmm. And maybe if you actually put your yourself first and filled your own cup, then you can overflow and pour into other people yeah. without expecting anything in return. Yes. And I saw that change within myself. As I started attending to my own needs, I no longer went out into the world expecting people to do certain things for me. Mm. And I was just able to give. And I'm not saying that I'm perfect and I'm completely selfless. And if such a thing exists, although I have probably met a few monks and yogis who, who seem pretty selfless anyway. But it's something that I think I'm practicing every single day mm -hmm. is putting myself first. And as you do that every single day, I think you really, you know, fill your, you fill your own cup up. And then you're able to go out into the world and just give mm -hmm. from a place that's overflowing with love. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I was just thinking about the people pleasing stuff and I had a real change in mindset about this when there was one day there was a, a friend in particular who would always ask a lot of me and I was never getting anything in return and I wasn't expecting anything in return. But when I sat down and looked at the situation, it was me, give, 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 her, take, take, take. And I remember talking to another friend about it and saying, okay, maybe if I word it like this and I say, look, I'm just not in a place right now that I'm able to do this. Da, da, da. And my other friend said to me, Georgie, no is a full sentence. Mm. And that you don't need to explain or give an opening as to her then asking another thing of maybe you could do it this way or that way. And that for me, I was like, wow. I just sitting in that no and being like, okay, I'm not now going to be persuaded to do a smaller version of what she wants or this or that. That really changed for me in my like people pleasing era because that no for me was prioritizing my own needs. Yeah. And it's not selfish to say no. That no was a yes to yourself. Yes. And I think a lot of the time people think that if they say no, it makes them a bad person. That was you just upholding your boundaries. Yeah. And delivering them in a compassionate way, I think, is always helpful. But, mm -hmm. what, but once you've 
set your boundaries. You know, like just leave it at that. There's no need for over explaining or over justification. Mm -hmm. Like it's on them how they respond. Like your responsibility is just to communicate your boundaries in a in a healthy way and their response is their responsibility. Yeah. It's about not taking on other people's emotions around your decision. Yeah, yeah. That's taken me a long time to learn. Just going back to career stuff. What were you doing before you wrote Good Vibes, Good Life? It's a good question. So I was in a corporate job mm -hmm. and I was working as a systems analyst. I think that was the official role name. It had like a different <laughs> name. So it was the it was a it was actually a graduate job that I got after completing university. Mm -hmm. About the same time I was composing music and I was well, I had a clothing company. And then when I left my corporate job, I left the music industry. I walked away from the clothing line mm -hmm. and I had a small social media agency as well. But ultimately, I gave everything up because I wanted to help people. And there was this one time when I was leaving my corporate job and I would get a train home every single day. And I was walking down from the platform and I'd usually walk towards the left side of the platform because when the train arrived, that would have the most kind of places to sit down. And as I went down towards that side of the platform, for some reason, everyone that was there walked away from me. So in my head, initially, I thought maybe there's some kind of weird odour coming <laughs> up here or something. <laughs> yeah. right? So I'm like sniffing my clothes and you're like, why has everyone just walked away from me? And then maybe like a minute later, this this elderly woman appeared and she started talking to me and I didn't want to be rude. I've always been taught to have manners. So I didn't want to be rude. I didn't try and shrug her off. But she started telling me stories about who I apparently was in my past life. Oh, okay. And reincarnation. So I'm born into a Hindu family, but like religion and any of the kind of concepts from religion, it was just things that had been taught but not things that I really believed in. But I understood the idea of reincarnation, that you have a previous life and then you're born into a new life. And the whole kind of point is to, to, to realise the self, your true nature. But I didn't really believe in any of that stuff. So this woman's telling me that I was a particular person and I had like karmic debt and I was supposed to relieve some of that karmic debt, but also I was here for a, a, a purpose and I was close to God apparently. And I was here to make massive changes in the world and help people along their journeys. And when she started saying some of that stuff, it kind of resonated because as I mentioned before, I liked helping people. Mm. In my uni dorm, I had quotes all over the wall. Like I'd always been naturally drawn to quotes because they were, they were helpful. Yeah, I was reading books, but they were more kind of the entrepreneurial hard grafting kind of books. They weren't the, the spiritual text as such. And it was it was a really strange experience. But again, I wasn't thinking much of it. Mm -hmm. But as my train arrived and I was walking towards the doors, she said, look, you know, you don't have to believe anything I say. But she said something like, you know, any advice is gold or golden or something like that. And I was like, OK. And then she said my name. And I had nothing on me. That she would have known. Yeah. And, she, and you don't have a common name. No. And there's just, there's just nothing there. There's like, you know, she, it's not like she would have followed me on social. I don't know if social media was about then, but she wouldn't have followed me like on Twitter. She was an elderly woman. Mm. Like there was just no way that she would have known my name. 
and like the hairs kind of on my arm just stood up for a moment and then I turned around as I got on the train and I looked back and she wasn't there and I was just like well I don't assume she's a fast walker either <laughs> and I was trying to like wow. work out how long it would take her to walk around the corner and stuff and I was just like where has she gone like wh what just happened there did I just dream that was that you know, and I remember texting my wife at the time. She was my girlfriend. I remember texting Koshal. I mean, like, you just never believe what happened to me. I need to tell you what happened because it's just, like, crazy. And I kept thinking about it when I was sleeping. And I think in those moments, I looked back on my life and I realised that I'd always been passionate about helping people. I always mm. wanted to help people. And... People have randomly approached me and told me I was supposed to help people. Is there or could there be something mm. to this? And so slowly I started leaving, you know, I left the corporate job. I left the music career. The kind of clothing career basically failed. So that <laughs> I had no choice but to leave. But slowly I left everything. And even when I had my social media agency and we were pushing this idea of like good vibes... I started realising that it was becoming this really, don't want to use the word toxic, but it was this phrase that was denying people of their kind of humanness and their emotions. And when I started talking about law of attraction, I, I noticed that people were just focusing on the material aspects of the law of attraction and not actually trying to evolve spiritually. So then I kind of gave up the agency and I just realised that I needed to do things in in a more organic, authentic way. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what that was going to look like. I wasn't planning, you know, I've always wanted to write a book, but I thought the book would come about when I was maybe much senior to I am now. And I didn't know how I'd make a career out of what I was doing. I didn't know, you know, when the next paycheck would be as such. I just knew I wanted to help people and add value to the world. And I just started sharing my ideas with people and... Fortunately, an agent found me through Instagram and said, "Had you have you ever thought about writing a book? That's amazing. It, yeah, I was also in a corporate job before I did all of this. Oh. And there is always a key moment, I think, that happens. That's why I asked you about it, because I know there was one for me. And it then leads you to take risks mm -hmm. and actually to really bank on yourself and back yourself and be like, you know, I'm going to make this work yeah. and I'm going to try my damned hardest to make it work. Mm. So it's nice to hear your story because I can I can relate to so much of what you're saying. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to leave this interview with one of your quotes from one of your books. I wish that I had read this when I was going through my healing mm -hmm. journey. So I think it might help other people. The quote is, the truth is self-healing is chaotic. Sure, there'll be minutes, days, weeks, even months when you'll feel a kind of joyful harmony and some of your progress will be obvious. But for much of the time, healing feels icky. Sometimes it hurts because it has to. Be patient with your emotional wounds. That, for me, that's those sentences, I think, really sums up healing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just want to thank you for your words because they help oh, so you. many people. Obviously... What do you want to plug? You've got your three books and your um, journal with your wife. So yeah, I've got the I've got the books. I've got the journal. The latest book's Closer to Love, and the journal's called the self help Se greatest self help book ever written. Is the one by you? They've come out recently. I also have a weekly newsletter, mm -hmm. which is completely free. So the newsletters 
the idea behind the newsletter is to kind of delve a little bit deeper and also offer free resources to people who might not be able to afford the books, but still want kind of the wisdom, the knowledge and the resources to improve their lives. So if you go to vexking.com, you'll be able to sign up and yeah, they deliver to your inbox every single week. Amazing. And you can find Vex King at his Instagram, which is just Vex King. Vex, on Vex King on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> thank you so much for this interview. It's been oh, amazing. I've so learned much so much. And yeah, we'll see you next week. Thank you. <laughs>